Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All is well. God's still on His throne. He didn't take a break, even though we do sometimes. Amen? Never, right? We're, all, we're always 100% in, right? God is never changing. It's us that changes when we realize that there's a shift in our relationship or our closeness to the presence of God. It wasn't God that changed. Guys, remember that. You know, I know that there's always times where we think, man, I remember times when I was close to God, but it seems like now he's, he's drawn away or he's not as close as he was. God never changes. He's always just as close. He's always just as near. It's the, the condition that usually changes is ourselves. So all we have to do is turn and we have to say, Father God, I'm sorry I've removed myself from my close proximity to you. Or I've quit listening to you. Whatever it is, that the variable, whatever variable change that we realign ourselves in the configuration that we were in when we were so close to God. But there is a, there's something that separates us from God. What is that? Sin. But when sin is dealt with and when sin is, is addressed, that, that causes our closeness with God to, to remain intact throughout our lifetime. Somebody need to hear that this morning. If you feel that your closeness to God has changed, it wasn't God that changed. So we need to evaluate, and it's super easy. God is a super, super gracious, slow to anger kind of God. He is so quick to forgive. It just takes us realizing that, man, I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. Lord, did you hear me? Please, he's like, I've already forgiven you the first time we ask. You don't have to work for that restoration. You don't have to work to be back in that close proximity to God. But it says, boldly come before the throne of grace. Might need that other mic, or I'm going to have to go to this other one. Um, good old technology or the devil trying to jump in there. One of the two. So today we're going to look at, we, we've been covering the basics of the Christian faith. So today we're going to look at the last one of our basic Christian doctrines. Who's excited that it's the last one? Man, I appreciate that. <laughs> now, if somebody was about to be like, oh, that's a trick question. Don't raise your hand that time. I think it's really been a good study, man. I've seen a lot. God's shown me a lot, but we're on the final uh, side of it, looking at the, the doctrines or instructions of, of the basics of the Christian faith. So Revelations 22, 12 through 13, let's look at this. This is going to be the basis kind of starting and, and working into uh, our focus. It says, behold, I am coming soon, exclamation mark. We talked about that. Anytime there's an exclamation point, it's, it's, a, it's a shout, it's a raising, it's a please pay attention to this. It says, behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. If we go to Genesis 1-1, we know that it starts in the beginning and it says, in the beginning, God. Dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to continue to expound on that, but in the beginning, God was, and at the end, God is. 
He's, he's, through, he's through this whole picture of our life. So, you know, we, he, he, he was there at the beginning. He's going to be there at the end. So Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, this is the, the, the foundation of all of the, these series that we've went through. It says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and last but not least, eternal judgment. So we've covered really the, the, the gamut from beginning to end. If, if we get to eternal judgment, there's nothing else we can do. We've already left this earth and we're standing before, before uh, God and, and we're being judged for what we've done, right? So we, go, we went through all of them, you know, and we look at this timeline of our life from beginning to end. You know, we get to the end and... Uh, the biggest thing is that it, for Christians, we have nothing to fear. It shouldn't be something that, that, you know, now we may not understand it, but not understanding shouldn't birth fear. If our lack of understanding is birthing fear, then maybe it's not just lack of understanding, but it's uncertainty of who God really is and who he says he is. Because that is the only reason we should really, you know, when we talk about these end time concepts is when fear should happen is if I'm uncertain of the God that I serve and I'm uncertain of where I will go and what will happen at the end. But God hasn't left us in a place of where we're, where it's unknown. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the end is going to look like. So last week we, dis we discussed the, the premise of, of the guaranteed resurrection of the dead because there was a resurrection of Christ. So if Christ himself was raised from the dead, that is our, our, we can rest assured that we will raise from the dead also. So we talked about the danger of if there is no resurrection, then there is the fear that, that we would not rise from the dead either. But we know that that is not a true statement. The Bible supports that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Therefore, we will rise from the dead just as he has promised and he said in his, in his word. You know, it's not just a fairy tale. It's not just a, just a story. If we look at Acts 1-3, so this is another scripture. We covered the basis a little bit last week about explaining that, you know, when Jesus came back, he revealed himself to many people. It wasn't just a story. It wasn't something that, you know, he just said, hey, just in between two people just saying, hey, make sure you communicate this, that I'm back. No, he showed himself to many, many people. So in Acts 1 through 1, 3, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, after his sufferings, this is talking about Jesus, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Well, how much did he show them? Enough to be convinced. Well, I got to see a lot to believe. Well, then Jesus would have showed you whatever he needed to show you to convince you of the proof and the evidence that he was raised from the dead. You know, for one of the disciples, what did he say? He said, I will not believe unless you show me the holes in your hands. And he said, hey, come here. Look right here at the scars. And at that moment, the reality of the resurrection was real. Right? So, so, so but, you know, whatever is needed convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus came back and he just wasn't silent. He just didn't say, hey guys, I'm back and took off to heaven. For 40 days, he talked about the kingdom of God. He gave us understanding and explanation of what was to come so that we wouldn't be blind and we wouldn't be unsure of the hope that we have in Christ. 
He left, left us with a very vivid and clear picture as far as where he was taking us, that he was going to come back for us, just as he said. But there was some work and there were some things that needed to be done first. Okay? So after this life, we're going to be judged for what we believed and what we have done with our time here on the earth. You know, so when we talk about the word eternal judgment, let's look at the word what eternal means. So the definition of eternal is lasting and existing forever without end or beginning. When we talk about an eternal God, this is in reference to this is how God lives. There's no source of time. There's no beginning. There's no end. It's just this space of foreverness. And it's hard for us as humans to really grasp that because everything is based in a measurement of time that we understand. Well, no, we should preach 30 minutes or less, and we should be out of church no longer than two hours. Hey, the football game starts at whatever time. You know, everything we do is based on a specific time frame, 24 hours in a day. We, we work by clockwork. But we remove all that, that, that there, there is no beginning, there's no end, there's, it's just a unlimited infinite amount of time lasting forever without end or beginning how can it be no beginning because it all started with God but that's beyond like he was just forever we cannot fathom and really understand that you know when we talk about space or outer space and it tries to explain how many light years away things are well it's X to million point millions of a million of a light year. And it's like, I don't even understand what they're saying, much less how far that is, right? We cannot comprehend it. You know, when it talks about the whole to the whatever power, the hundredth power, an, un, an astronomical number. This is, but we're not talking about a number. We're talking about time from beginning to end, that there is no limit it's not saying that at this point, time is going to expire. It goes from beginning to end, eternal. So that means it's going to be forever. It's going to be, it's going to be something that goes on and on and on and on. Once we walk through that door and we receive that eternal judgment, it's going to open the doors to the future of our lives. Not here in this present life, but in the life to come. When we talk about judgment, you know, this is a decision made as to if you are either innocent or you're guilty. That's really, really what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to two things. Are you innocent? Or are you guilty? Did you know the Father? Did you believe in the Son? Or did you reject Him and deny Him? That's it. You know, so when we talk about eternal judgment, that, that is the takeaway, that we are going to come to a place where every single one of us are going to have to stand before the righteous judge who is Jesus Christ and give account to what we've done in this lifetime. Now, for those who are living righteously, awesome. Man, God says, you know, be a good steward here in this lifetime and I'll be rewarded in heaven, you know, not to store up treasures here on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. Man, it's going to be an awesome thing, man. You know, I'm being faithful with what God has given me. But how about the person who has rejected God, who has denied God, and is deserving of condemnation? You know, there's two sides of the spectrum here, and I think that's why it's a fearful, a challenging concept, because I'm either innocent or I'm guilty. Right? But we remove Jesus from the equation. We are, every single one of us are guilty. But we stand redeemed. We stand secured in our faith to those who know Christ. 
You know, the choices in this life will determine the outcome of your life forever. Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, He made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God is doing from beginning to end. It says that no one can find out, nobody can comprehend it, but yet he has put eternity in our hearts. So what does that mean? There's something inside of us that hopes for a, a promised future, a, a, a beginning after the end, that this life is not just the end, but there is a hope of a future. You know, because I hope that some of you have at least thought it or maybe thought about it. Maybe you, did, you haven't, but man, you know, just, just the, the awesomeness of what happens after this life. We've been talking about how, you know, the, the body dies perishable and it, and it ri rises imperishable. We are going to have a glorified body. All of these things are going to change. The mind cannot fathom the depths of this and the awesomeness of what it's going to be like to be ever before the Father. Like when, when I have eternity in my heart, eternity in my mind, that there is a hope and I think about it. Not that I understand it, but there's that hope towards it, right? You know, that he has put eternity in their hearts. That there's something in me that is hopeful of this future. That there's hopeful of the time to come. So we have to understand that uh, in life, so I'm going to give you an illustration. Hopefully this mic will work. So when we look at our, t at our life, this rope represents a timeline from beginning to end of the life we'll live here on the earth. You know, so we, so we look at it and, and we, we, we measure our life in different measurements, right? You know, so I know that from children to youth, young, adult, you know, we tend to get to this, you know, baby stage, right? From where we're born, we're, we're, you know, we're teenagers, and we're all fighting to get to this next place of adulthood, let me tell you what, young adults, it ain't as fun as you think it is. There's a lot more responsibility and obligation, and you got to get up, and you got to go to work, and you can't sleep in every day of your life. So suck it up while you got it and enjoy that season of your life. But we get so caught up in whatever season we're in wanting to get to the next season of our life. You know, as children, man, I want to be grown up. I'm an adult. I can, uh, I'm a man. No, you're not, boy. You know, like that's, you know, just, that's just when we think about it, you know, that, that we're in such a hurry to grow up and culture is pushing that same way. We want to just, we want to fast pace everything. But when we realize and we look at the picture of, of our life that this little, this little sliver right here, it, it is but a vapor. It goes super, super quick. And then we get to the place of where that part in our life is removed. And now the time is shorter. And now I'm forced into this adulthood. And then so adults, we got it all together, right? We got it all figured out. We live by a schedule. We, we live and die by the coffee pot. And we get to that place of where if we're good stewards of this time, if we save enough in this lifetime, then I will get to this other place of, of utter bliss and retirement and satisfaction where I'll live for all the money that I've made, all the taxes I've paid for this little moment. 
Now, we're going to struggle. We're going to work hard. We're going to be disciplined. We're going to give to the church. We're going to save. We're going to boost up that 401k, match it to the dollar, because that's where we're going to invest all our time, and we're going to be rewarded at this little bitty, bitty part of our life. It's the American dream. And, and the world says you would be ignorant not to save at this point, because what are you going to do during this point of your life? What are you going to do? You got to be smart. You got to save. You got to move your money around. The smart stock market always works. You know, just put money, save it. And, and, we, and, we, and we act like this lifetime is the end. We, 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 we pack all of our money in. We save. We're, we're nearsighted in, in our thought process. We're living in this with our life focused here on the earth rather than in the light of eternity. The principle of what I do in this life that it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to determine. Look at this. Look, this. This is what eternity looks like. We get to this place of where we're so fighting for this. And there's so much to come. And it goes on. And it goes on. And it's never ending. And it goes on to all eternity. And we're stuck right here that this is the most important season of our life. The most important and I'll be, I'll be darned if I teach my children that this life is the most important rather than the life to come. But what I practice and what I do models for them what I believe. Am I going to be sold out? Am I going to give uh, being led by the spirit of God? Even when it sacrificially hurts. Well, no, you sure are giving a lot to the church or you're giving a lot to that. Man, you know you should be putting that in your 401k because... Worldly thinking. But it says, do not store for yourselves up treasures on earth that rust and moths, moths destroy. But store, store for yourself treasures in heaven because eternity goes on and on and on. So when I look at this and life continues to go and go and go, I get to this adulthood and then I'm stuck at the end. But you know what? The problem is, I'm not guaranteed to get to this place. I may die as a child. Does it break God's heart? Absolutely. Is it ideal? No, but it's the reality and the truth. I may never get to this place that I've lived my whole life for. It happens every single day. Life is cut short. And then we get to this end sometimes and all that money we saved and all the glory and glamour that we thought all of this saving would equate to never satisfies because you keep chasing after things rather than after the kingdom. There's only one thing in our lives that'll satisfy us and that's doing the perfect will of the Father. And for those of you because I know we got a big age group in this room this morning. If you're at this stage of your life, you haven't met eternity yet. And continue to live for the glory of God till you breathe your last breath. Because it's going to determine the rest of your life. Matthew 16, 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come in the Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. 
2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each, each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. God's not a respecter of person. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, God is going to judge you specifically. It ain't going to help you. You know, I know brothers and sisters, you know, oh, well, mom, I, you, you didn't see, you know, I see my kids all the time. To get out of something, they blame it on the other one. Samuel say, well, Cassidy, I ain't talking about Cassidy. I'm talking about what you did. And then when Samuel did something, well, but Samuel, Cassidy, I'm not talking about Samuel. I'm talking about you. And when we get to the end, we can't blame it on anybody else. It's going to be determined on what you did, the choices you make, the life that you lived, the faith that you had, or the faith that you didn't. That's all that's going to matter at the end of the road. You will be judged. Unbelief does not change the reality of the absolute truth of God's word. Say that one more time. Everybody listening? She's like, what did he just say? Unbelief does not change the reality of the absolute truth of God's word. So it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's going to happen because it's God's word. Well, I don't like that part. I'm just going to tear it out. Good luck with that. Still in my Bible. You can't tear it out of my Bible and out of the word of God, right? You know, choosing not to believe in the judgment of Christ will not allow you to avoid judgment. You know, I think it's, it's, that, it's, that, it's that illustration, that example. Well, if I close my eyes real tight and I pretend it's not there, it's just going to go away. It's not going to go away. It's not going to just disappear. It's going to happen. So in this life, we're given a chance to accept or deny Christ. You know, choosing, not choosing is rejecting Christ. Because I think a lot of people believe, well, if I'm just not good, I'm not bad. And, you know, as long as I, you know, I don't want to be a sold out Christian, but I don't really necessarily be a hypocrite. But you, you ride, you ride the fence. The Bible uses the word lukewarmness. It says, I'd rather you be hot or cold rather than lukewarm. He doesn't want us just kind of, you know, when we're in the world, hey, we're all in the world. And hey, Sunday morning best, put on my clothes and now I'm going to play church. God wants you, wants you 100% for him. And, and just medio, mediocrity is 100% against him. It's a choice. And by default, not choosing, you have made your choice to not be a follower of Christ. It's, it's a hard truth. But I believe that God draws all men to him. He gives each and every single one of you a chance to receive him. And he reveals himself in a true way to where you almost have to make the choice to deny him. Because it wouldn't be fair if he didn't give you a chance. But you can refuse the chance, and you can choose your own road and your own way. Matthew 10, 32 through 33, it says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Verse 33, But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. You know, this is, we're put in, the, in, in a situation at moments in our life to where you're, you're, maybe you're in a position to where you're the only Christian, and you get a chance to defend your faith. It's so hard. I failed, too. It's like, yeah, yeah. You kind of just this awkward laugh of like, what should I do? What should I say? Oh, uh, we stutter. We don't stand boldly for God rather than standing for what we believe. 
But there's always power when we walk against the flow of the world. And when we make that hard choice to stand out or to be different or to not be as the world is, we are taking a bold stand for Christ. But we need to do that on a regular basis. Man, it's real easy to make a bold for Christ in a church. But how about in your workplace? Or how about when young, young adults when you're hanging out with all your friends that think Jesus is a joke? And they rub it in your face. Will you stand for him? Because agreeing or saying nothing, being passive, we're past that place, guys. We're losing world culture because of our silence. We got to get to the place of where Christians are bold and we don't shrink back and we, and we boldly profess, per, profess the truth of Christ. As we were going through this, man, I just cannot ignore the powerful impact that the gospel gives us. It's like nothing else on earth. Forgiveness, acceptance, family of God, a heavenly reward when I'm so deserving of, of hell? Who wouldn't want this? You know, you like, you look at it, but what God wants is someone who is, gonna, is committed to live life in pursuit of Christ, in pursuit of who God is. Not just saying the right words when it's convenient. Because it's real easy for those of us who've grown up in the church to always say the right thing, but do we believe the right thing? It's not just the right words, it's a heart thing. Where's our heart at? So we're all going to stand before the, the righteous judge. God, through his word, he's told us what is required to ensure that we'll be welcomed into heaven. Be welcomed into his kingdom. You know, Jesus is the only way to enter into God's kingdom. Jesus is really the gate to the kingdom of heaven. You can't jump over the back. You can't sneak under, under, the, under the wall. Jesus is the only way into heaven's gates. You know, I often will ask people, said, man, if you die today, what are you, you going to tell God? If he asks you, why should I let you in? Well, uh, uh, my mom and dad were real good. I believed that for a long time. I was trying to skip through on my parents. Oh, baby. On my, on my, uh. Man, first time I fell off of that. Uh, you know, I was just really just holding on to my parents' shoelaces, hoping I could get to heaven. Because I was like, well, they're Christians. I'm Christian. Why would God send me to hell? Because God is going to hold me accountable personally. Now you get into that whole, well, what about babies? What about kids that can't, you know? Once, there, there's an age of accountability. This is what I believe is, a, is, a, is an absolute, to where once I have the choice to choose, I'm held accountable to what I believe or don't believe. My children, but I'll tell you what, children can believe at a very young age, so don't be so naive to say, oh man, my kid's bulletproof till he's 16. It's not gonna happen. Well, little Georgie just didn't know. Well, what little Georgie didn't know could send him to hell. Okay, we have to understand that there is something at stake here and we got to make sure that we're paying attention and that we're wise and that we have wisdom. But Jesus is the only way. Let's turn to Matthew 25. We're going to look at verses 31 through 46. 
Matthew 25, 31 through 46. 46. I'm just going to read this to you guys because I think it preaches on its own. There's nothing I need to add or take away from it. You guys will get what it's talking about. So it says in, in verse 31, it says, when the son of man comes in his glory. So before we start reading this whole thing, what is that? What is that talking about? At the end, when Jesus shows up and, and at the end of the line is here, we've gotten to that place to where all that's left is, is the door to eternity or the door to condemnation. Everything in this life is over when he comes in his glory. It says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as stranger and invite you in and... Or, or you needed clothes, and we clothed you. When did, when, did you see, when did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? <coughs> and the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. That's one side. Let's listen to the other side. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? And did not help you. He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did not do one of these for the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is where there's a T in the road, left or right, baby. There's no, there's no way around. There's no more mediocrity allowed. You're either for me or against me. And what you've done in this life is now going to determine where you go. Away from me, I never knew you. So, so we, look, we look at this principle. There is a lot of acts and things that were done practically. You don't see anything in here. Well, you went to church every Sunday. You made sure you, 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 know, you said good things. It was by what you did. All of these things were costly. To feed, to clothe, to take care of, to go see in prison. Like all of these things, you know, and. You know, it shakes you right when it says in prison, like I'm starting thinking, oh, Lord, we better be doing a prison ministry or something, you know, because these are actual things that, which there's a lot of prison ministries out there. But these things that are really important to the kingdom of God, it says where you clothed me, where you looked after me, when I was sick, you helped me. This doesn't say nothing about just, hey, being a super excited Christian and doing nothing. These are all practical needs being met. Because if I don't have no food, I'm in bad shape. If I don't have any clothes... Better not come out of my house. 
Bad day for everybody. <laughs> All the way around, right? You know, these are, the, the thing about it, these are practical needs. But as believers, as the church, God gives us every provision to make sure that we can fulfill every single one of these and give without measure to the least of these. And that equates giving to God. He merits it up to the exact same way. When you've given to these, you've given to me. But when you didn't, that last passage, verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The dividing line. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate. It says, For wide is the gate and broad is the, is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, that scripture always kind of scares me a little bit because, man, I would rather it be opposite to where the, the, the gate to heaven would be broad and many people would enter into it. But it says that the, the, the door is narrow and the road is small and only a few find it. So what does that mean? In this lifetime, there are going to be some that find that door, that narrow road, and they, they travel on it and they follow through with it. They find the gate to heaven. And the hard reality of it, there are many who are going to be led astray. So what do I do? I'm an advocate to the, to the right road. If I find the narrow road, man, I want to point. I say, hey, right here is the road. You're going the wrong way. Because I have found the road. And I know the way to eternal life. And, 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 my, and my, my heart is to make sure that many people find it. But the raw reality of it is, is that that, narrow, that that road is small and it's narrow. And very few find it. But I tell you what, to find a road like that, you better be looking for it. It's not like the Houston freeway where you see exit coming in two miles. Then you see all the road signs as you're coming. It is this small, you're just hauling tail down the road. It's like, oh wait, there it is. The dirt road with a small mailbox. With the two reflector lights on it. This is a country back road that you almost miss. But it can be found by those who are looking for it. But those who are focused on the things of the world are going to fly right past it and never see it. Because they're not looking for it. John, 6, John 14, 6. This is what Jesus said. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He is the road. He is the gate. He's the only doorway to heaven. There's no other way. So th this morning, as I, as I was thinking about this, you know, you know, uh, eternal judgment, I feel like I would do an injustice today if I only told you that we're going to be judged at the end of our life. And I didn't let you know that the hope that we have in Christ, you know, what fun would it be like, Hey, you're either going to go to heaven or hell, depending on what you do. Hopefully you're there. If not, I'm sorry. Let's go to lunch. Come on, man, and talk about people talking about a pastor. You, you'd be like, man, this guy left, didn't even tell me how to get there, right? So today, you know, we, we can have a hope in Christ. You know, the full assurance of our faith is so, it solely relies on Christ Jesus. And he is the hope and promise for our assured salvation. That's the only gate, guys. That's the only way. 
you're going to have to go through the sun. Well, that Jesus, I heard he's a bad guy, man. He don't like sinners that much. Well, you better get right. Because you're going to have to go through him to get in. Those who are not of his own, he does not let in. He's a protector of the flock. There's a passage in Scripture that says many will try to get in by another way. They're wolves. They don't belong. But this is talking about a whole other passage at the, at the very end. This is, this, is, this is the gate that no wolves can get in. Because he was talking about the church. The wolves will come, they'll be dressed you know, in sheep's clothing, and, and they'll come and they'll scatter the church and they'll destroy the church. This final judgment... There is no other way to sneak in. There's no broken barbed wire. There's no shortcut. Oh, let's go to the back. There's, there's one way, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. It's the only key that will open the door. John 5, 28 through 29, it says, do not, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. And in verse 29, and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So you really have to live life or to be condemned. Man, to me, it's really like a no-brainer. But you can't just say, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I guess I'll choose heaven. It can't just be a mindset to say, okay, well, man, heck yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. The only way you can go there is to know the Son. And to choose to give your life to him. You know, we have to understand, you know, let me make sure I clarify just a little bit. You know, for the Christian, the final judgment, it's not going to be based on salvation. You know, we think of like, well, I get to heaven. I was like, man, I hope I was saved. That's not what it's going to be for the Christian. Salvation should have already happened. And it's not even going to be based on sin because I think that's the, the most fearful thing. You know, when I look at my life. This little bit that I lived, I'm like, oh, Lord, if I get to heaven and you start pointing about all the ugly things I did, I, I might as well just go to hell. If you're going to expose all of those things, Lord, I'd be humiliated. And if we really were real and, and honest with the things in our heart, it would be the hardest moment of our life. But it says that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It has blotted out every single sin. Hallelujah. Right? It says that he's removed us. So 1 John 1, 7, it says, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So when we get to heaven, it's not a thing about salvation. Because if you're, if you're walk, about to walk in heaven's gates, you're saved. It's not about sin because the, the blood of Christ has been atoned for your sin. So he sees you as, as, as one of his own and purified by the blood of Christ. Well, if he's not going to ask me what I did bad and I'm already a Christian and I'm already in, what the heck is my judgment going to look like? Right? Because that's, if we're going to be judged, there's still going to be something that, that he's going to say or something he's going to do. So we have to understand that it is, we're, we're covered for, from all unrighteousness, but it's going to be based on what we did or didn't do once we received salvation. Once we began, we, we began our life in Christ, what did we do or what did we not do while we were here on the earth? But I have a hard time believing that those who truly have a relationship with Christ will not do these things that the word of God is saying. 
that has been abundantly blessed and has more than enough food and shelter and clothing to when we see one of our brothers and sisters in Christ struggling, we don't say, hey, man, come here. What do I do? Because that really should be the, the ultimate response. Right? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10 real quick. Second Corinthians five, six through ten. Tell you what, it's kind of hard to get to my Bible verses with one hand. Slows me up a little bit. Second Corinthians five, six through ten. So this is the Bible preaching this, so don't get mad at me, okay? I was looking at looking at some scripture and and this is what it says. We'll start in verse six. It says Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by, by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Verse 10, so we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one may receive what is due him. For the things done while in the body, okay? So I'm going somewhere, somewhere with this. So while we are in the body, we're going to be held accountable to what we did, whether good or bad. The one that, that, that is not saved and has no, has no relationship with the Lord, the end is condemnation. There is no good thing. We talked about that a while. Without faith, it's what? impossible to please God. So apart from a salvation experience with receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's no good merit before the Father. All that there is a guarantee of is hell and torment. Sorry if I'm being hard this morning. I, I really want to shake the reality that this is the utmost of importance. There's no good thing we can do apart from faith. Philippians 1, 21 through 24, same, it's kind of the same concept in verse 24. You don't have to turn to it. I'll cover it for you real quick. It says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? You know, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart from this life and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary that for you that I remain in the body. So there's this struggle to be absent, you know, in the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, but what do I do while I'm here on the earth? You know, what does he say? He says that I would, that I would have fruitful labor. Not that I would be lazy and just wait for Jesus to come back. Let's be intentional with, with the time that we have here on the earth. You know, our judgment as believers is going to be based on what we did once we became followers of Christ. So here's, here's two passages that really kind of challenges, challenges us to, to focus on what is the most important. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. So this is what I was gearing you up for, okay? Don't, don't get frustrated. Command those who are rich in this present world. Nobody got mad yet, so I'll keep going. All right, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
Command them to do good, to, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, you will lay up treasures. Uh, they will lay up for themselves treasures in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they are so that they may take hold of the life that is the true that is truly life. Man, we can get so sucked into this whole me factor. Oh man, I can buy stuff that I've never been able to buy and we just really use that for our own selfish gain sometimes. If we live in godly principles and we take the steps and we walk in all wisdom of God, that is going to happen at some point where you're going to get to the place of, of, this, of this wealth concept to where I have more than enough than just meeting my basic needs. Now what the heck do I do with the rest of it? Do I honor God with it? I see a lot of guys chasing after the next dollar in this lifetime. The problem with that, there's always another dollar to earn. And you're never satisfied with enough. But what this is talking about is, is use that wealth to invest in the kingdom to come. Not building yourself kingdoms and castles here on the earth. Because those are all going to fade away. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. You guys are familiar with this verse. It says, do not store for yourselves up treasures on earth which moss and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a kingdom principle. We can't be so nearsighted that the only thing we focus on is, is things in this lifetime. But we have to focus on the lifetime to come. Let's look at one more uh, passage real quick. Luke 16. Okay, I'm going to probably look at two passages. Sorry. Pastor can't lie. Luke 16. 19 through 31. Just trying to make sure we have a good understanding, and I think this parable really sheds some light. So we'll look at 19. So th this, is a, this is a parable and a story about a rich man and Lazarus. In verse 19, I'm just going to read through it really quickly, 19 through 31. Uh, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So this is a really rough situation and the reality of, of this story. Verse 22, it says, the, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Okay, so where are we at on this story? Both of them died. One was in heaven, one was in hell. Verse 24, it says, So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and, the, and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. Verse 25, But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in this lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things, but he is now comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to there, they cannot, nor anyone cross from over to there. Then he goes on and just the rest of the story says, please send somebody back to tell my brothers, tell those here in the, in, 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 on the earth still that there is a, a life after death experience. 
You guys can read the rest of it. That's just a quick summary of it. You guys have that picture of that bridge. So when we look at what has to happen, that the cross is the only way allowing us to go from this life before the Father. And then if we look at this story, once the time is done, I can no longer go back and forth. And, and, and in this life, there, there is but a moment to where we can traverse. You know, I, don't, I feel like sometimes some walk all the way to the middle and they look and they evaluate and then they halfway through this, they turn around and they walk back. They've changed their mind not to follow. And in order to get to the place of where God has called you to be, you have to walk completely across that bridge. You have to go from death to life here on this earth. But the cross is the only way unto salvation. And only a few find it. But today that you would know the truth and the truth would set you free. That we might all one day be before God and be judged righteously rather than condemned to hell. And I'm not saying this, guys, to scare you, but I want you to be aware. I don't want to get to that place of where you're looking at me on the other side of the chasm and say, hey, how come you didn't tell me there was a place of hell and torment that if I didn't choose Christ, that I would go there and that I would be there? Not on my watch, Lord. That those that I know I tell and I don't shrink back because there is an eternity at stake. You can't go back and forth. I know some people believe, well, you know, God's a good God. He'll let me in, right? There's only one way. You'll be judged by what you do in this lifetime. And once you get there, because I think some people think there's a second chance. Well, once I die, you know, maybe I can jump across that, that chasm and, and get into heaven. Or maybe I'll have a, check and se- a second chance. But when we breathe our last and we step into eternity, it's over. Revelations 20, verses 11 through 15. So I don't want to take this out of context because this, all of this happens after the rule and reign of Christ here on the earth. He binds the devil. He, you know, he rules that the thousand years, Satan's doom has happened. And then this is where we're at. Like after all of this happens, if you haven't read Revelations 20, please read it. It'll kind of show you in context. But then it starts in verse 11 through 15. It says, Then I saw a great white th- throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was opened, and this book was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in these books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, death of destruction. This is, and this is an eternal thing. You know, this, is a, this, this, this place is a complete separation from the presence of God. So verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in this book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So is your name written in that book today? 
Because if it's not, this message may scare the mess out of you. But if we can rest assured that our names are written in that book, man, we have, we have a secured hope and a future. There's two other parables in Matthew 25, if you guys want to go back and read those later. But it talks about the ten virgins who were ready or who were preparing for the coming of the Lord. And it says some were prepared and some weren't. Some had enough oil. They, they sustained the, 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 the longevity of, of living this Christian life. And then some just kind of halfway through, they just ran out of oil. They just ran out of steam. They didn't have enough. And when the Lord came, some were ready and some weren't. In that same chapter, we talk about the talents. He says, I gave some of you talents according to your ability. And, and he's given each of us different abilities here in this life. And, he's, and, and when we use them well, he says, you know, he, he approaches each one. He says, man, well done. You've used those talents that I've given you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. Now I will put you in charge of X number, right? When we're faithful in this lifetime, it is going to directly affect what we receive and what we get in this life to come. Do I have all the answers of what in the world it's going to look like? No, I have no clue. But us being faithful in this lifetime is going to directly affect what it looks like for the rest of eternity. And you will face eternal judgment. The hard reality, some to eternal life, some to eternal condemnation. Heaven and hell. So the basis of this final basic Christian doctrine is that there is going to be a judgment. I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what I do in this life matters. Super important though. Because really, if you look at it, everything that precedes this eternal judgment matters at that point. You guys see how all the pieces have fit together now, right? We got we to gotta be repentant from dead works. We have to have faith towards God. It's very beneficial to be water baptized and be baptized in the Holy Spirit in this lifetime. We believe that in laying on of hands, this is going to help equip you and impart to you all these spiritual gifts that you need to be effective in this lifetime. And then there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. There is going to be a ruling and reigning of Jesus Christ here on the earth. And as Jesus Christ raised from the dead, we promise to raise from the dead. And then there is going to be an eternal judgment where he's going to judge the living and the dead accordingly to how you lived in this life. Amen. You guys stand up with me. If we got a prayer teams available this morning, go ahead and come up for me. This morning, man, if, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord this morning, you're probably going to run up this morning. And I would encourage you, don't leave this place unsure of where you're going to go. That you need to confidently say, if I died today, I know I have a relationship with the Lord. And I know that he would find my name written in, in the book of life. And that he would say, enter into my kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
But if you, you know, but if you don't know him this morning, that it's the word of God says today is the day of salvation. You don't have to live another day worrying about what's going to happen at the end. But you can rest assured of the hope and the future that we have at the end. Let's pray. So, Father God, I thank you this morning for your word and for your truth. Father, that we don't have to be fearful, God, but we are to be informed and to be knowledgeable about what your word says. So this morning, Lord, if... uh, If there's someone here, God, that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would uh, boldly choose you today. Father, that they would live a life sold out to who you are. Lord God, we thank you for the hope and the promise we have in you. Lord, for for those who do believe, God, that we would rest assured that, that our future is assured that we've been bought with a wonderful price. And Lord, help us to not take that price for granted. Father, but with hearts of gratitude, we say thank you this morning for the price paid for us. And help us to live this life, God, being givers and blessing those who are in need. Father, but that we would be doers in your kingdom in this life and the next. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.